Well, it's another one of those privileges and opportunities that I have of sharing with you the good news of the gospel. I never take it for granted. I'm always grateful to God for these privileges. And I want to continue with the uh, subject that I've preached for over a number of months now. I don't know what number this is, but the gifts that God has given, the how much more shall your heavenly Father gifts uh, that we read of in Matthew chapter 7, verse 11, and also in Luke 11 and verse 13. And today I want to speak about a subject that I believe that preachers need to preach pretty regularly to remind the people of God the truth of what I'm going to be sharing today. It comes from the Word of God. And it's uh, <clears throat> one of those wonderful, precious gifts that God's given to us amongst so many uh, gifts of grace, um, just loving, kind, heart of God that just makes available to us so much and blesses us with so much. And it's what the subject I want to speak about today is the gift that God has given us, uh, the gift of his people. Now, when I talk about his people, I want to touch the Jewish nation, first of all, because they still are his people and they will come back into conversion and salvation. Just remind you of some of the important factors that we should not just forget about the Jewish people. And we want to have a look at that for a little while. And then it's not only the Jewish people, the Jewish nation, but it's also the church. And we'll be speaking primarily about the church. But I'm going to ask you to read with me in three different portions of the Word of God, just short parts. First of all, a very well-known part from Matthew chapter 16 and picking up in verse 15, if you'll read in your Bibles with me. And this is what it says there. Jesus asking the question, uh, who do people say I am? And he, uh, uh, in verse 15, he says, he asks them, who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church. I will build my church. Just let me remind you, and I'll come back to this possibly later. The only thing on earth that Jesus is building right now is his church. And not a building, not a business, not even family. He builds those things in the context of the church. So I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And then I want you to turn with me, if you don't mind, please, to Romans chapter 9. And we want to pick up in the, um, the first verse, Romans chapter 9 from verse 1, just five little verses. Paul says this, I speak the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience confirms it in the Holy Spirit. I have great sorrow and, un, uh, and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, those of my own race, the people of Israel. Paul still loved Israel, the people, his, his chosen, uh, God's chosen people. And then he goes and he tells us something about the Jewish nation that I think that sometimes the people of God, the church, forget today. 
Theirs is the adoption as sons. Theirs the divine glory, the covenants, the receiving of the law, the temple worship, and the promises. Theirs are the patriarchs, and from them is traced the human ancestry of Christ, who is God over all, forever praised. Amen. And just one other quick scripture. If you turn to the book of Acts, just the 20, 20th chapter, Paul speaking to the Ephesian elders, and I just want to pick out one verse here, where he says in verse 28, Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. As I said when I started out a few minutes ago, this is a message, I believe, this truth needs to be preached regularly to God's people. It's just to remind them, keep them it before them from time to time, because we tend to forget. God has given us, given us exceedingly great gifts, and one of those is this gift of his people, both the Jewish nation and the church, the old covenant people and us, the new covenant people. And we need, as God's people, to see them both as very precious, a very precious gift. Romans 9, I read to you from verse 1 to 5, gives us, shows us something of the importance of Israel. He says in, in verse 4, to them belong the, belongs the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship and the promises of God. The New Living Translation says it this way, they are the, they are the people of Israel chosen to be God's adopted children. God revealed his glory to them. He made covenants with them and gave them his law, the worship and the promises. And so through God's old covenant people, we've received amongst many, many other things, the Holy Scriptures, first of all, in other words, his covenant, his law, we've received worship, Jesus as a saviour in his first coming, they, the Jewish nation, were the original or the natural branches of the vine, and we are the grafted in branches, according to Romans chapter 11, if you look at verse 17 and around that part. And 11, uh, Romans 11 reminds us also that they, the Jewish nation, will be grafted back in again. And so we are to be grateful for the nation of Israel, for Jesus will come back to rule over them from Jerusalem. And he'll stand with them. And so we need to stand with them, to pray for them. And that Psalm 122 verse 6 tells us, pray for the peace and prosperity of Jerusalem. We need to love them. And we will be blessed if we support them. You read Genesis chapter 12 again. I was reading uh, these uh, Genesis chapters just over the last couple of days in my devotional time. But he says that every, every nation will be blessed by you and those that bless you will be blessed and those that curse Israel will be cursed. They are in a very, very real sense the roots of God's revelation to human, humankind. They'll play such a vital role in the establishing of his millennium king, millennial kingdom at his return. Read Acts chapter 1, verses 9 through to 11. 
Just remember this. Jesus will rule and reign from Jerusalem. Read Luke chapter 1, verses 32 and 33. It says there, the Lord God will give Jesus the throne of his father David. That was Jerusalem. You could read Psalm 2, verses 6 to 8. You could read Jeremiah chapter 3, 17. Zechariah 14, verses 20 and 21. Acts chapter, well, I said earlier, Acts chapter 1, verses 9 through to 11. Earth's final black battle, Armageddon, will be fought in Israel. And so God's covenant people, the Old Testament people, are very, very important to us and a gift from God to us. So thank God for the Jewish nation. Some of us may have to change our attitude towards them. Because lots of parts of the church have preached against them as that God's finished with them. My Bible tells me God's not finished with them. And we need to pray for them and stand with them. Then we come to the other part of God's people that we need to appreciate as a gift from God. And that's the church. That's you. That's me. Every born again believer right across the face of the earth. We should see Christ's church as another one of those good and perfect gifts that come down from above, from the Father of lights, as James chapter 117 tells us. From the how much more father of Matthew 7, 11. We should love the church. We should appreciate the church. Not criticize it. Avoid it. Ignore it. We should love it in spite of its weaknesses and all of its faults. When you do these things, despise, ignore, criticize, etc. The church, when you do that to the church, you're really doing it to Jesus. Do you remember when Paul, when he was on the road to Damascus, when he came to know Christ? You can read it in Acts chapter 9, verses 4 and 5. When he said, when he fell to the ground, blinded by that, that light, the glory of God. He said to him, Lord, Lord, who are you? And Jesus said to him, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Now, Paul wasn't persecuting Jesus, the person. He was persecuting the church. He was trying to jail them, flog them. He was, he was out to, to just obliterate them. And Jesus said, when you do that to the church, you're doing it to me. So we need to love the church and understand that to not love the church is, in a very serious sense, to not really love Jesus, because the church is part of his body. It is his body. And so we should constantly thank God for Jesus and for the church. We should love his people. Jesus did. He loved the church so much that he was willing to die for it. In Acts chapter 20, verse 28, it actually says, God purchased the church with his own blood. Now, we know that Jesus was a man but he was also God. And God says, I purchased it with my own blood, the blood of God. I've never been able to fully understand that, but I believe it because it's in the Bible. Paul loved the church. Read Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 to 8. He loved the church. Jesus commanded that we love it. I've just made a note of one or two scriptures in John 13, 34 and 35. It says, a new commandment I give to you, love one another. As I have loved you. You've got to love the church 
like Christ loves us, the church. As I've loved you, so you must love one another. By this, our love for one another, will all men know that you're my disciples, if you have love one for another. So, what conclusion, I ask you this question, what conclusion do people come to when they hear us criticising, attacking, avoiding the church? What conclusion do they come from to when Jesus said, by this shall men know that you're my disciples if you have love one for another. Love the church. The Bible commands it over and over again. In 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 22, it actually says this, have sincere love for your brethren or your brothers. Love one another deeply from the heart. 1 John 3.14 says, We know that we've passed from life to death. This is one of the assurances, assurances we get from God about our conversion. We know that we've passed from death to life because we love our brothers. Bear this in mind. The church, God's people, are his bride. It's precious and it's valuable to him. It's what he's building, the only thing that he's building on earth. As I said earlier on in Matthew 16, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The church is his earthly expression of his coming kingdom. It's what he uses on earth, his body. Remember he said, I delight to do your will. I've come to do it. And he says, a body you've prepared for me. Jesus needs a body to reveal the purposes of God. Who God is, what God is, and we're his body. It's what he uses on here on earth to reveal who and what he is, what he's done for us, his will, his work, his ways, his wonders, all these things. It's through the church. And remember this, that the church, it wins in the end. It's the church that cares for us. The church is the place, the people of God. It's the place where we can be held accountable. It's where we receive instruction by God-anointed, God-appointed leaders. Read Acts 3.42. Read Ephesians 4.16. It was he who gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, etc. to prepare God's people for works of service. It provides us with opportunities of service for him to and through his people, the church, God's people. Romans, read the whole of Romans 12, but those first few chapters, uh, verses about the body and the ministries and how we need each other and how God gives us opportunities to serve him through the church. 1 Corinthians verse chapter 12, all the way through to verse 4, to chapter 14. Those three chapters are all about how we can serve God in the church. God wants us to serve through the church, not just individually, independently, not hit and miss. God's got a strategy and he wants us to be part of it as we join in with and appreciate and cooperate with his church. As Ephesians 4.16 actually says, as each part does its work, it's held together by all its ligaments, its relationships. The church is the dwelling place of God. Read Ephesians chapter 2 verses 19 through to 22. It's the holy habitation of God. It's a major part of how God will change lives through Christ, through the church. And the church is so diverse in every way. And that's so important. Once again, read Romans chapter 12, verses 3 to 8. 1 Corinthians 12, the whole chapter. 
don't criticize the church. The church is ongoingly advancing, making disciples and reproducing itself, planting more churches by the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit, the enabling of God himself. Can I just throw this little thought out here at this point? That a truly healthy fruit tree doesn't only produce fruit. Listen to this now. A truly healthy fruit tree doesn't only produce fruit. It also produces more trees. <laughs> May God help you to understand what I'm trying to say. I believe we need to see more and more people coming to Christ, more and more people being raised up in leadership, more and more churches being planted. Churches should be planting churches. And so, we should stand by with and support the church with our time, with our talents, with our treasures, with our tithes, with our offerings, involvement, attendance, its projects or projects. We should build with them, as Ephesians 4.16 tells us. We should protect one another. And we should pray for the church. We should pray with the church. We should pray those apostolic prayers of thanksgiving and prayer and supplication. The prayers of 1 Corinthians 1, I know that I say this so often in these messages, but I'm so longing to get people to pray God's prayers, prayers that are in the Bible. God honors His Word. The 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 4 to 9 prayers. The Ephesians 1, 3 to 23 prayers. The Philippians 1, 3 to 5 prayers. The Colossians 1, 3 to 8 prayers. The 1 Thessalonians 2 and 3 prayers. The 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3 onward prayers. Prayers, requests, desires. The Philippians 1, pray. The Philippians 1, 6 to 11. Pray it. Look, look these scriptures up. Get on your knees before God or or wherever it is that you meet with God and pray these prayers, Philippians 1, 6 to 11, Colossians 1, 9 to 14, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 11 and 12. Pray the Psalms. Pray them for your church family. Pray them for your own family. Because the family, your family unit is the church in microcosm. Pray them for yourself. Pray them for the church in your city. Pray them for the church and the nation that you live in. Pray them for the church throughout the earth. And pray them for your own children, even those that are wayward and not walking with him now. Pray these prayers. Just in coming to a close, don't confuse what the church is with sometimes the way that the church behaves. You may feel let down by it. You may be disappointed with it. You may even have been hurt with it by it, but don't give up on it. There's not a person on earth that has been saved for more than a few minutes that eventually doesn't get hurt somewhere by the church. Not always intentionally, very seldom intentionally, but we get hurt. Jesus is building it and Jesus will perfect it. We've still got a long way to go. If you read what Paul says in Philippians chapter 3 verses 12 through to 16, You'll say that, you see where he says, I'm not that I've already attained, not, I'm not perfect yet, but I'm longing to go further, deeper, to know him better, to be changed more and more, to become like him in every way. So God is still 
building the church and we've all got a long way to go. So don't give up on the church. And so in closing, can I just say this? Find a church, the church that God wants you to belong to, to be a part of. A church that preaches the good news, the gospel, the whole gospel. And not only preaches it, but lives it out. A church with a truly God-honoring leadership, not perfect, but God-honoring by lifestyle as well as by lips. Not only what it preaches, but what it practices. A church that cares, is humble, is truthful, that's empowered by God's precious Holy Spirit. Where you can, as Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7 and 17 tells us, where you can imitate the faith of your leaders where you can obey them, submit to them. And as 1 Corinthians 11 tells us, the first verse, NIV says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Find a church where you can follow the example of your leadership. If you can't follow the example of your leadership, then I wonder if you're in the right place. Find a church that is truthfully engaged in the Great Commission. Truthfully, not just saying it. Not going to a nation and saying, I went there to a nation, but when they were going really just to receive something for themselves. But to go and to give. Give of themselves. Give of their truth. Preach. Get involved in. Discipling all nations. A church that truthfully is engaged in the Great Commission together not only with, together as a local church, but with an apostolic, prophetic, translocal team to whom they are genuinely, honestly accountable and with whom they really do cooperate and work together into the nations. That's God's church. And God wants you from this moment on, if you haven't been doing it until now, from this moment on to begin to thank him for this wonderful, wonderful gift. His people. Israel as a nation and the church whom Jesus is coming back for. The two he's made one by conversion. He has broken down the middle wall of partition between Jewish and Gentile, but also against all those people that you may have something against. Enjoy God. As I finish off this message, why don't you just stop before you do anything else, bow your head and start to thank God for the church and ask him to forgive you for where you've sinned against it, remembering you too, as part of the church, have also sinned against others. God bless you. Pray with me, please. Father, I commit your people to you. We want to love you more. We want to serve you better. We want to do your will here on earth and see it done here as it's done in heaven. We need the Holy Spirit. We need churches that rise up and will live out and not just preach about, but live out the good news at every level. Help every person listening to this message to be able to embrace the truth and genuinely from their hearts say, God, I'm trusting you now for myself to make me a part so that I may love and appreciate your people and may bring joy to your heart. I love you, Lord. We love you. Thank you. In Jesus' name.
Amen. God bless you.